0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Werewolf Rambles. As is tradition now on episode 4, I am yet again reinventing this podcast. But it's okay, I'm allowed to do that because it's my podcast and I don't care. So, in today's episode, we will be discussing a little roundup, or we will be doing a little roundup of all the kind of book news, publishing news that's come out in the last sort of week. And oh my god, has it been dramatic. We'll start off with a few kind of mini news stories before we go into the kind of main stories. But before we do that, we're going to discuss what I've been reading lately. So I have been reading um, Chambers of the Heart, which was a short story collection, speculative fiction short uh, short story collection, quite a large short story collection as well. There's about kind of 16 stories in it. It was very impressive by b morris allen who reached out to me to review it offered me a free copy if i would review it on my blog and i said yeah sure this looks good and then i forgot about it for two months so sorry morris um i did get around to it though it ha- ended up being my second five star book of the year my first five star book of the year was the love hypothesis which i was very surprised at because i don't normally go for romance but there was something about the love hypothesis i just absolutely adored like it it, oh, it was incredible um, and now Chambers of the Heart is my second five-star read. So you can go and check out my review of that on my blog just now. It went up this week. I have been trying to post a kind of blog post at least every kind of second weekday. Although I think last week I did four days out of... F- no, I did three days out of four. Three days out of five, I think. Uh, but this week so far... I mean, it's Wednesday when I'm recording this. I'm planning to post something today. I've already got it typed up. So that'll be three days at five. Hopefully this will go up on Friday. I uh, don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow, but we're, we're going to find out. Last week, I did an author interview with Raina Rood, who wrote the Subversive Trilogy. So that's Subversive Sanctuary and Salvation. Um, it is dystopian Christian fiction. It's one of the most interesting series I think I've ever read. Such a unique and interesting take on dystopian fiction and what it says about our current kind of political climate is is absolutely incredible so i did a wee interview with her that i posted last friday so that's on my blog as well if you want to go and give that a wee look that's a uh, writing werewolf at wordpress.com what am i reading just now i'm reading the pink line the world's queer frontiers by mark gewisser i think i'm saying that right i hope so this is non fiction it's about um kind of queer experiences in uh countries in africa countries in asia um about individuals who have uh queer individuals who have experienced um kind of homophobia and and transphobia and kind of just generalized violence and um, because of who they are and because of who they present themselves as but specifically um, along the same time frame as developing countries have been achieving things like legalization of same-sex marriage, or, um, you know, kind of gay rights and becoming more accepting of 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 queer people. Um, there's this nice divide which Um Givisa calls the pink line, that goes between kind of developed, uh richer countries and the kind of developing poorer countries and how they treat. Um, queer people and for Pride Month it's both heartbreaking and incredibly informative and I'm I th- I'm only a couple of chapters in but I would recommend it so much, it was so good so far, it gives you real people stories as well as giving you the kind of background of things, it's really readable it's um accessible for someone who maybe doesn't read a lot of non-fiction but wants to educate themselves on this topic and it's all about people colour it's incredible it's really good, I would highly recommend it so, our first news story of the week. Um, a man from Ghoul, which I believe is near Hull, has returned a library book that his mum borrowed uh, 76 years ago. The book was originally due back on the 17th of July, 1946. Um, and the fine that was imposed <laughs> was £3,500. Um, the book was This Way to the Tomb, which is a play by Ronald Duncan. Um, and it was borrowed in 1946, and um, this guy found it while he was tidying up some bookshelves. His mother had taken it out. <laughs> she was the second person to borrow it and then kept it for 76 years. So that's quite a nice, uh, nice wee story there to begin. Um, another story um, George Orwell's Animal Farm is to be translated into Scots. I love this story. Um, I think more things should be translated into Scots. I think it's uh language of its own and I think we need more kind of translations. There was going to be a Harry Potter translated into Scots but that never happened and I'm kind of glad because don't really want to be associated with, with, with J.K. Rose bad enough that she's Scottish don't really want to be associated with her any more than that. So Animal Farm is already translated into Gaelic. Gaelic um, but now it will also be translated into Scots as well the translation is being done by Thomas Clark it's one of nine titles to be published in Scots with funding from the Scots Language Resource Net- uh, Network and yeah, so there's also a comedian from Shetland, um, Mar- Marjolaine Robertson, I think her name is, who has also received funding to write an almanac in the Shetland dialect specifically. And I think this is so cool. This is really, really cool. I mean, I think there's definitely, especially with the kind of resurgence of the second um, Scottish independence referendum, I think it's definitely, definitely needed that we kind of forge our own culture. I think it would very much help on the road to independence, Um, not to get political or anything like that. Moving on to our next definitely not political uh, news story. Uh, Ukraine has restricted Russian books and music in its next step of de-Russification. Um, I don't know if, you know, I don't have an opinion enough on this, but, you know, it seems alright. We're okay with it. I'm fine with it. The first of our big three, um, probably the smallest, so we're going to work our way up in size. We'll get to the most dramatic one at the end. Um... Last week, it was announced that after fifty years, after starting in nineteen seventy one, the Costa Book Awards have ended. So, the Book Awards originally started as the Whitbread Book Awards in nineteen seventy one. Um, it's the only global competition open solely to authors living in Britain and Ireland. Um, it also covered a wide range of uh, kind of, wide range of 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 topics or genres, I guess. So you had a uh category for fiction, a category for a debut novel, a category for poetry, a category for children's books, and a category for biographies. Um, in 2006, Costa Coffee took over sponsorship of the prize, and it was renamed the Costa Book Awards. The uh, 2021 award was delayed until February of this year due to the pandemic, but it was given to Hannah Lowe's The Kids, which is a collection of short sonnets drawn from the author's years of teaching in London. It was a fantastic prize, and the winner for each category... So, each category had a winner and then the overall winner was picked from the winners of the categories. So the winner of each category got five grand and then the overall winner was awarded £30,000 which is a lot. Um, the decision to end uh, sponsorship of the prize was very abrupt. It came very suddenly and has not yet been explained. I don't think... Um, nothing's come out since then, I don't think. Um, however, the company did describe it as a really difficult decision. But... <laughs> I mean, why, if it was that difficult? Why would you, you know, do it and not explain it? Um, But Several high-standing members of the British literary community in the wake of this decision have called for a new national prize because at the moment there's nothing solely for British and Irish authors. Um, And so there are several people calling for something to fill that gap. So that's... I haven't managed to find an update for that. I did find one on... there's a bookseller, the kind of website but they wanted me to pay £3 to look at it, and I'm not for that. Our second big story today is uh, about James Patterson, um, thriller and crime author. Uh, well, author is a debatable term, I guess. Um, last week, James Patterson came out and said that he did an interview with the US Sunday Times, and he said that white male authors face another form of racism. And this is written in the interview. Um, James Patterson, who is a best-selling author of over 300 novels, has claimed that white men are now struggling to find writing jobs in television and publishing industries, and that this is just another form of racism. Um, The article in general was about Patterson reflecting on his decades-long writing career. Um, He's previously been listed as, or ranked as number 15, on Forbes' list of Celebrity 100 earnings from 2020. Um, He was named America's top-earning author. He has a net worth of $80 million, and between June 2019 and June 2020, he sold 5 million books. So, you know, he's kind of talking nonsense, I guess. Um, However, there are claims that he uh, doesn't even write his books. I can't remember where I heard this. It's, it is commonly known that he works with co-writers. And that he, quite often, he has like a lot of imprints for his publishing house that he just sticks his name on. Um, But I did read somewhere, and I can't remember where, and I don't have a source for this, but I do remember reading somewhere that what he does is he comes up with basically just a summary. He just writes out the whole plot. He's like, this is what I want to happen. And then that summary is shipped off to someone else. And that ghostwriter then writes the actual novel themselves. And Patterson just uh, sticks his name on it. So, you know, fun. And uh, so all of his claims of systemic discrimination against white men in writing jobs is nonsense, Um, basically. <laughs> Penguin Random House conducted a self-audit between 2019 and 2021, which reported that three quarters of its contributors were white. Um, and in comparison, only 6% were black and 5% were Hispanic or um, Latin. Nearly 75% of the publisher's employees were also white. The New York Times also conducted a survey in 2020 and concluded that 89% of all authors published in 2018 were white. Um, this is hilarious. The article that I got most of this information from has a, um, (laughs) the last paragraph states that he's currently promoting his memoir, um, in which he says, I do believe I'm lovable. I think I'm a decent person. Um. So this was all, I posted a wee blog post about this last week when it came out, or a couple of days after it came out, but in the weeks since, um, James Patterson has addressed this on Twitter, he's apologised. Um, He has said that he doesn't think that white write- white writers suffer from racism. So he tweeted, um, I apologise for saying white male writers having trouble finding work as a form of racism. I absolutely do not believe that racism is practised against white writers. Please know that I strongly support a, a, a diversity of voices being heard in literature, in Hollywood, everywhere. That's it. <laughs> um, the BBC article that this update come from says that um, Patterson has sold roughly 450 million books over several decades. And he was the best-selling author of adult fiction in the UK in 2020. Um it's it's insane his direct quote about um about the uh struggle for white men to find writing jobs um was that which it says in this bbc article was that can you get a job yes is it harder yes it's even harder for older writers you don't meet many 50 year old white males they're not the majority of writers do you have to be 54 is that the deal it's insane. There was a massive big backlash to this online, obviously, because these these statements the Parks had made were nonsense. We will move on now to I think what is the most thrilling story that I've heard. So, um the website Felix, uh which is a student newspaper of Imperial College London, um published an interview with um Sarah Underwood who was a bioengineering graduate and a soon to be published author this was originally published in I believe December 3rd of December 2021 it became viral a couple of days ago or last week something like that um when I think her publisher started pushing it a bit harder now that the book's about to come out and people are not liking it so basically Sarah Underwood has published this or is going to publish this book called uh, what's it called, The Lies We Sing at Sea I've got too many sources, yeah, Lies We Sing to the Sea and it is self-described as a sapphic feminist book inspired by the Odyssey which is interesting, you know just another one of those books that's kind of a retelling of, of Greek mythology at the moment, but that's fine, we like retellings we're not against retellings here it's a it's a young adult book. It is you know, based on sorry I cannot go over how hilarious this is. Anyway, um it's so it's based on one specific part of the Odyssey. It's it you know, it looks pretty good. It looks like it's gonna be set to become a bestseller based on, you know, things like Song of Achilles or a Touch of they called a Touch of Darkness? What's that one? Yeah, a Touch of Darkness, um Lore What's the rest of them? The women of Troy. The silence of the girls. Let's see, can I see any more while I look around my bookshelves? Most of them are hidden. You've got kind of Kingdom of the Wicked, which is... Is that not a retelling of Hades and Persephone? I'm not sure. Um, You know, you've got Promises and Pomegranates, Vipers and Virtuosos, Oaths and Admissions. You've got... Not all of these are young adult, I realise, but still. Most of them are retellings at least this interview when it came to light has kind of sent shockwaves through the kind of the people who would have bought this book which is is a shame but also why would you say things like this so the first question i'm going to read this verbatim the first question that sarah underwood was asked was did you read the odyssey and if so when valid question did you read the odyssey as a child as a teenager did you read the odyssey a while ago, and just use your kind of knowledge of the story to write the t- to write your retelling. Did you read it recently? Did you read it loads of times over the course of writing your retelling? Sarah Underwood's um, response is: I read a lot of the stories within the New Odyssey because they're in things like Percy Jackson and those little books of mythology you get as a kid. But I actually started and finished writing without sitting down and reading the whole thing. I have various translations. There are parts that are very beautiful and readable. But it's so long and written in a prosy way that's kind of (sighs) impenetrable. I hope you can hear me sighing. Fair enough that you're taking... Fair enough that you didn't sit down and read one translation. Fair enough that you're taking bits of stories from here and there. If that's how you want to write your book, go ahead. Why would you say that in an interview? Why would you come out... And be like, yeah, I actually didn't read it. I've just seen Percy Jackson. Why would you do that? The next question that the interviewer asks is, that's what will be good about your book. It will be an easier read, but you'd also get to know the stories of the Odyssey. Sarah Underwood's reply was, yeah, there's a massive gap in the market, particularly in YA. There's a J.C. Burton book that just came out called Medusa, but that's illustrated and on the younger side. Largely mythology has bypassed YA, which is why this is quite fun because I love Greek mythology in YA. So it's a little fun melding of my favourite things. And then the next question the interviewer asks is, what actually inspired you to write the novel? It was partly your love for Greek mythology, but was there anything else? And Sarah Underwood replies, I read an article about the story. It's a reimagining of the story of Penelope's maids. If you're not familiar, they aid and abet her in deceiving suitors so she doesn't have to marry while her husband is away. They believe he's dead, but she has unwavering faith that he'll return. The maids eventually betray her. It's not clear why. Some translations say they're sleeping with the suitors, some give them more grace, but they then get murdered brutally. There's not much more on them. It's one of those things you snag up on because it feels like they haven't had enough mention to suddenly be pivotal. I definitely stumbled on the idea. There are a lot of books that look at smaller, less well-known stories, like Madeline Miller's uh, Circe. Circe is in The Odyssey and underutilised. It gives her more nuance and her own agency. I wanted to do that for Melantho, the only named maid, so I gave her more depth in her motivations and vengeance. In the Odyssey, she dies and there's no consequences, no vengeance, there's nothing, and I didn't love that. Why Greek mythology? I've always just loved it. So, mentioning specifically Penelope's maids, uh, I'm fairly certain, I'm fairly certain Margaret Atwood wrote, is it called Penelope? Penelopead or something? It was for the um, canon. Publishing's um, mythology series. So, Canon funded. I think it was kind of like eight or nine authors to rewrite um, or retell certain myths and legends. Ali Smith did "Girl Meets Boy," which was a myth that, which was a retelling of the myth of Iphis, which I wrote an essay on, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned in one of the first podcast episodes I did. Uh, Philip Pullman did retold Jesus Christ, the story of Jesus. I think. Um, I can't remember who else did what, but there was like a bunch of authors. I'm pretty sure Stephen Fry did one. Um, a bunch of really like famous, well-known authors who then took myths and retold, retold them, looking at different aspects and and retold them in really interesting ways. And I'm fairly certain my, uh, Margaret Atwood did something about Penelope and her maids. I'm fairly certain that's what she did. So the next question that the interviewer asks is, Did you do much writing before you stumbled on the idea? And Sarah Underwood says, not really, I always want to be a writer, but a novel is a big commitment. I had bits and pieces, but hadn't really done much with it. I used to do short stories because it's one and done. I wanted to commit to writing, so during the pandemic I thought, I've got nothing else to do, why don't I give this a go? To be honest, the first draft was pretty shocking, but I was lucky the idea was pretty solid. I feel that first draft is for getting everything on a page, and now I'm working on my second novel, I'm going back to basics. I just need to write something, then I can smoothen the edges and make it consumable and readable. I, for one, am quite interested to read this, purely because I don't know what to expect. Because based on that, she's not got a lot of experience writing. And to me, the idea of a publisher going, oh, look, a Greek mythology book. This is really popular right now. This is really big on the market. We'll fund this. We'll publish this. This is more plausible than this woman who doesn't write so much is able to write something so incredibly brilliant without having much experience before that we're going to publish it immediately I mean that could be the case but to me this sounds like publisher like publishers going that'll sell and I don't think they anticipated this but anyway and she goes on about, about um, the sort of feminist aspects and sapphic reimagining and that kind of aspects of it and then about how she reads a lot she reads a lot of YA fantasy, um. That's what she says. Do, 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 do. She's read *The Song of Achilles* and she read the Percy Jackson books. They asked her how her book got discovered. Disco- My God! They asked her how her book got discovered by the publisher, and she goes on to just explain the kind of publishing process. Don't know why. And then kind of start slating things that are published online for free. What a weird interview. So she did Pitch Wars and she was picked up during Pitch Wars. Okay. Interesting. My number one piece of ad- of advice for aspiring writers is to get on Twitter. Don't do that. You will never write anything. I speak from experience. You will just tweet things and be like, good, I have written. That's it. So she's got a two book deal. So she is currently writing the second book which is unconnected and is set in dartmoor austin era 1807 ish it's about a young woman who makes a faustian and deal with a bog demon to resurrect her murdered lover that's more interesting so anyway basically um that's the interview so i found a reddit thread about it that was posted six days ago so the top comment on this reddit thread is um by beauty box car it says i'm really am not a fan of this interview as someone who has spent a good chunk of her life studying the role of females and marginalised identities in classical mythology, she's missing some big classical modern authors. It sounds like someone didn't do their research. And then the OP, who is Persitia, I think, um, said she's bullshitting her way through it, the fact that she claims to be very rigorous with her research, while also admitting that she hasn't actually researched the work she's heavily referencing and read about the original idea in an article is telling in my opinion. It sounds as though she's being handed a lot of great opportunities with the mentoring scheme and her agent being married to one of her lecturers. Oh, okay. And hasn't realised that a lot of people aren't impressed by that alone. I feel a little sorry for her. She's only 23 and obviously wasn't in charge of how heavily her publisher has pushed this book. But this interview is shocking. Why would you admit any of this? Yeah, it's the fact that she claims in the interview as well. I can't remember if right read it or not. I'm going to back as depressing. Um, the fact which is most translations of the odyssey don't have i think this is referencing female characters and agency and stuff like that and but she says she hasn't read any of the the translations all the way through and so how would she know okay so elizabeth may on twitter someone else has posted elizabeth may on twitter had this thread and it's spot on i'm going to give you so all some advice free of charge if you ever get a book published the very worst way of marketing it is by declaring the topic is not being done by anyone else. I guarantee it is, and acknowledging predecessors is a recognition of their work and effort. One of these days I'll do a thread on my issues with our culture's obsession with original ideas. Nothing is new under the sun, but the very, very unique thing about your book is authorial voice and the perspective you give in your work. It's you, you're unique. And that's why you can give dozens of writers the exact same story prompt, and they'll all come up with something different. That's the uniqueness, that's what sticks with people. And I think this is one of the biggest things to take away as both a reader and a writer. You can have two books with the exact same kind of plot line. You will have different characters. You will have different settings. You will have different um, stakes. You will have different tension that's created and and broken in different ways. You'll have different levels of of suspense, different levels of surprise. You could have plot twists. There is a lot of things that can be different about how you can read things and how you can, you know, how you can write things for example take the kind of i guess elevator pitch of let's see detective with magical powers solves supernatural mysteries what could you get from that you could get catch lily 2 which is a book that i read um not so long ago about a siren who uh investigates um crimes kind of unwillingly um but basically it's full of mythological characters it's um, very funny, very witty it's 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 great it's a great book, I would highly recommend it but you could also get this other one which is about a woman who's possessed by a demon, A Name in the Dark is that what it's called? Yeah, A Name in the Dark by G.S. Fortis, um, which is about a woman possessed by a demon who then has to um try and fight a, a it's Mexican goddess a Latin goddess, saint can't remember read it a while ago there you go that's two completely different books with the exact same kind of elevator pitch you can do a lot with a single sum with a single line summary originality is b- well boring first of all overrated um but also it is inherent in all of us the idea itself does not need to be original for for the finished product to be original um everybody in the comments of this reddit thread is uh um bigging up emily wilson's translation uh, i haven't read i actually haven't read the odyssey which is uh unusual for me i have it somewhere i don't know where it is i had to rearrange all my books because they fell on me yesterday oh i found it it's uh i can't remember who i have the oxford world Classics edition but it's like a really old one i got it in a secondhand bookshop in edinburgh um i don't know who did the translation it's in the bottom of a pile i can't really look all fell on me yesterday i've got nice big bruise in the back of my hand um it's a bit sore twice they fell on me twice because i started to put them all back up again and halfway through they fell on me again so one day i will die and i will be crushed by piles and piles of books and yet somehow that didn't stop me from buying more books yesterday i bought another four and i've still got another one on the way some i need to stop anyway so that's our reddit thread so let's have a look at twitter so, uh somebody says that Sarah Underwood is proof that white people can fail upwards with awful work in a field they're vastly unqualified to be in. <laughs> Someone's put Sarah Underwood after reading two pages of the Odyssey and then attached that meme that's like a text message and it says I ain't reading all that, I'm happy for you though, or sorry that happened. It's but oh no, sorry, the book's published next March, I think. But what I don't understand is that she says that she's hoping that this will, her book will help kids understand the Odyssey more, but how will that work when she hasn't actually read it? So 2011 says, I honestly can't think of another interview that's more of a hot mess, than that Sarah Underwood won on her sapphic retelling of the Odyssey. I'm not going to say any more, but like, a hot mess. White privilege is a trip. <laughs> David Wells says, uh, BIPOC, we need more YA written by us that draws from our ancestors sacred stories and myths, if you will. It's a major hole in publishing. Sarah Underwood, there's just not enough YA about Greek mythology. It's a major hole in publishing. Sigh. Grace <laughs> Hades says, in Sarah Underwood's defence, we all know you don't need a lot of qualification in anything to write a YA book. <laughs> not Lucas again says, Under- Sarah Underwood writing her YA novel based on the Odyssey Twitter bot. Uh, the Hero Complex says that Sarah Underwood doing a retelling of the Odyssey without having uh, read the Odyssey. It's just another version of Jodorowsky's Dune, which he was just going to base on a dream he had and not the actual book. TBR says uh, my favourite part of the Sarah Underwood interview is when she said she's never read The Odyssey, even though she's writing a reimagined version of it, and followed that wild statement by saying I'm impressed by authors who can write competently without reading much verbatim. TR is not real says I feel bad for Sarah Underwood since she's only 23 and there's all this hate coming her way but also I can't feel too sorry for her since she still managed to get a six-figure two book deal when she was still a university student without reading the story her book is based on and to be honest I think I think this is the real the real point of bringing up this news story today I can't. I also can't feel too sorry for Sarah Underwood. I'm actually quite impressed because, considering she never read The Odyssey, she's managed to get. And I don't know if it is a six-figure book deal. A uh, six-figure two-book deal. She said in the interview that it was a two-book deal, and she also heavily implied that she got more than ten grand, ten thousand pounds as an advance. But she is 23. But I have to say, if you write a book. And you send it into a publisher or you get picked for pitch words or whatever, you know, whatever your options are. If a publisher takes it and wants to pay you all that money, go for it, take it, run with it. Why not? What are you supposed to go do? Go, oh, no, actually, I've changed my mind. No, take it, run for it, run with it, run, I can't speak, run with it. You know, who's going to turn that down? Especially living in London. I mean, come on. Um, the real problem lies with publishers who are saying this and going, "Do you know what? This is a retelling, a Greek myth retelling written by a white woman. Those are really popular these days. We'll publish this one. Um, here's a rake of money. That's the real problem here. Um, I guess that's that's kind of where we where we are with this. Um. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. Don't know when the next one will be. Um, Could be any time. Could be tomorrow. Could be never. Um, don't know. Maybe follow this podcast on Spotify anyway. Just in case. So you know. Um, Follow me on Twitter. At writing werewolf. And on Instagram. At writing Um, I am planning to do. Can't really be bothered doing YouTube videos anymore. Because editing videos is like my worst nightmare. So I was just going to um do my next YA as an as as an adult um which is a series where I go back and I read YA series i think it's mostly series i did twilight i did the raven boys i did shadow and bone when the first season of of the tv show came out um i think i've done another one i can't remember what it was but anyway um i i've been doing that i guess um for um i did them on youtube uh the next series I was gonna do is A Court of Thorns and Roses. I know it's now not young adult, I know it's technically new adult. However, when it came out it was advertised as young adult, and so that's or it was classified as young adult. So that's what I'm gonna do. Oh, I also did Vampire Academy. That was a that was a good one. Um so that's that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do um A Court of Thorns and Roses. Um I wanted to look specifically at the kind of aspects of feminism within it because um Reese in books two and three is lauded as this amazing male feminist and thanks for making noise, Callie, it's very helpful. Um, you know, I kinda of wanted to delve into that and see what the crack was with that. Um so if you're interested in that, if you're interested in me looking at other aspects of those books, let me know. Yeah, tweet me. Leave a five star review, maybe, on uh On Apple Podcasts. I think you can do that on Apple Podcasts. I would appreciate it. Any kind of review, please. I would like that. Share it. Tell your friends. I don't know. Um, Any other book news, let me know. But yeah, I guess this is me signing off. I'll let you go now. Have fun. Enjoy the rest of your day. Keep reading. Keep writing. Keep, you know, doing everything. Bye-bye.